Hey guys, does capitalism have you down? Does the constant pressure to be productive get to you? Are you tired of being a cog in the machine? Productivity porn has created a business around making you think that constantly being productive will lead to a fulfilling life. However, this mindset has created unhappy, anxious, and burnt out people. On our podcast, we aim to entertain by providing useless information just for the joy of it and giving you time in the day to stop the gears of capitalism. And if you're thinking, what's the point of this podcast? Then we invite you to be a part of the revolution against toxic productivity by embracing the useless things in life. Welcome to episode 29 of the Very Unimportant People podcast. Do less. My name is Courtney, and I fully participated in a capitalism this week. It Oof. did not go well. <laughs> and my name is Lydia, and I deep dove into theme park YouTube this weekend. <laughs> and it did go well, as opposed that... to a capitalism. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean. It's so ironic, because our 40-hour work week um, episode just got released. Just, and Courtney, Courtney had a lived experience, huh? I did. I really, I really lived through it, guys. I got a job, like, this week, and they scheduled me for every single day. I worked a full week. I worked seven, tomorrow is my seventh day in a row working, and I am probably going to quit within the next minute. <laughs> <laughs> it is awful. It I is, love that. Yeah. It was destroying my soul and my will to live, and it's, like, minimum wage, and I just, I, I don't want to work that hard. For that little yeah. money. I'd rather not work for no money than work that hard for that little money. It's insulting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to minimum wage, minimum effort. <laughs> yeah. But instead you have to run around, you're on your feet. Absolutely not. Customer service, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> well, I'm proud of you for standing up for go. yourself and saying, Thank fuck you, you capitalism. Fuck I'm you, capitalism. quitting your stupid game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do kind of have another job lined up, so it's not like that yeah. much of a fuck you, but... <laughs> Yeah, I can't do it. I'm done. The first fuck you in a row of many. Yeah, guys. I tried. It was an experiment. If you ever feel like you can't do your job anymore, just quit. Always remember that you are disposable and just quit your job. Yeah. That company is like, (laughs) they're not going to care. They're going to be upset, but they're not upset because they're going to miss you as a person. They're upset because they're going to miss exploiting your labor for money. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to have to hire someone else. Which is hard because, yeah, because nobody wants to do that for that little money. So... Always remember that. Somebody at work yeah. today told me that they were handing in their two weeks. And you know what I said to them? Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Good job. Congrats. So always remember. Fuck this. Screw Big Brother, you know? Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, roller coaster. Yeah. Theme park really YouTube. Oh, this man. Is- it's great. People spend hours reviewing theme parks and, like, telling you about their whole experience. It was mostly about, like, Disneyland and Universal Studios and, like avatar world or pandora and then the star wars world that opened up recently and how there's like nowhere to sit that was like a big thing like there's nowhere to sit in star wars world no (laughs) that should be next though i just don't think they're owned by anybody that's like disney Mm. or universal to have that happen yet but i would go yeah in a heartbeat yeah (laughs) i would be fucking there bro that sounds like so much fun so yeah it was really fun to deep dive i mean i've only been to like universal harry potter world like once and it was like so fucking busy and so fucking hot and it was just Mm. like i don't even remember it it was just such a blur of stress (laughs) i feel like like 
theme parks get less fun as you get older. The magic kind of disappears, huh? Yeah, and then we're it's really just, like, just there to buy the merch for like oh, a ride that is over in like sixty seconds, and then you have yeah. to wait in line for another three hours. Yeah, it's just not worth it. I probably don't have. The I don't time. even remember if I went on a ride. I don't even think I did because all the lineups were like three to four yeah. hours. It's like, what is that? That's half the day. I don't think so. Yeah. No one has time for that. No, but. I'll just see the sights and move along. Yeah, we'll but. just watch the video YouTube reviews. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like we were there. <laughs> you know what that reminded me of, though, that you like deep dove in this theme park? The first thing that came to my mind was those two guys that everyone knows on the internet. Everyone knows if you've gone through a true deep dive on YouTube that mm-hmm. fucking like dig pools in the middle of the oh, yeah, forest yeah, yeah, yeah. with the sticks. Yeah dude yeah that's a true deep I love dive those guys those guys <laughs> they just got like a youtube plaque for reaching like a billion <laughs> subscribers or something like that like yeah there's a picture of them online like holding their gold youtube plaque <laughs> they're just it's like so in front of random their too i don't like i don't <laughs> understand the videos at all but uh, well they're, they're, so they're like making pools yeah but why right? they're like why are they making <laughs> pools in the middle of the jungle because it's summer i don't know <laughs> Like, are they four people or are they just like, just, just for the video they're doing it? Because that's a lot of work just for the video. I yeah, applaud those people. I, I worked for money and I couldn't form. do it. <laughs> they're building pools in the middle of jungle for like uh, for nothing. Free, for just no reason. Maybe people enjoy it. Up. Guys, know, we that, don't see the aftermath. That is a possibility without capitalism. You could just dig a pool in the middle of the jungle for no reason. There doesn't have to be a reason just because you want what that's a, a world that's a beautiful that thing. Be. It is a beautiful thing. So beautiful. Nothing's getting hurt. It benefits the economy. It grows the economy, maybe. No, without <laughs> capitalism, we don't have to worry about the economy. Oh, I love that. Oh, we can just we have, have pools to for fun. Pretend that we understand it anymore. We can just. Oh, I love yeah. that. Just fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I'm proud of those guys. They killed it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sounds like a fun way to send your Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun. I was super hungover, too. So I was just, like, letting it autoplay. And that's kind of what happened. That's kind of where I got to. You said, Jesus, take the wheel. And I sure did. And Jesus took me to Star Wars World. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen Star Wars. I got it right. I was like, oh, wow. The stormtroopers. You have to run around with Leia. With Ray. Ray. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. That's the right franchise, right? Star Wars has the no stormtroopers. It is. It is. Don't worry, guys. I got you. I just watched this on Sunday. Star Wars has the stormtroopers. Raya, um, Ray is the main character. She's a protagonist. And in the theme park, the stormtroopers and the resistance are like 10 feet away from each other. And they're like, where's the resistance? Where are they? I can't find them. And like, they have to carefully never look over there. And the kids are like, they're right over there. And they're like, I can't see them. I can't turn around that way. My stormtrooper body won't let me. <laughs> Some bullshit like that. Wow, so you they learned try. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could go off, but I won't. Because <laughs> I don't know enough about Star Wars. <laughs> I just wrote that, that down like as fun. like a one-liner, by the way. The what? I let Jesus t- take the wheel and he took me to Star Wars <laughs> world. <laughs> Good at like catching so these funny. things, dude. So funny. <laughs> okay, everybody. Now is the part of the podcast where we talk about the poll from the last poll. week. Ooh. Let's get into it. Have you ever been professionally hypnotized? A hundred percent of you said no. Damn it. That leads Damn me it. to believe. 
believe that maybe hypnosis doesn't work. Or maybe people were hypnotized and just like don't know. You know? Maybe they don't remember. Yeah, they were forced to forget. Yeah. That'd be crazy. Wow. So maybe you haven't hypnotized. (laughs) Dig deeper, guys. Dig deeper. (laughs) These questions are hard-hitting questions. God damn it. Um, The second one. Have you ever zoned out while driving, not really remembering your trip? (laughs) 70% of you said yes. (laughs) Who's the 30% that hasn't done that? Oh, my god! I mean, I'm concerned that we're all zoning out, but I think this is like a common experience of drivers. (laughs) Who is so attentive that they're not? Maybe we're just bad drivers. Maybe. You're not supposed to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it happens. You're on autopilot. Like, it's happened to me so many times where I go to, like, my old workplace. And then I show up and I'm like, fuck, this is where I'm not supposed, <laughs> this is not where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, okay, the next question was, it was after a quote from last week's episode that said, really, we wouldn't know if we were hypnotized right now. And then we asked, are we hypnotized right now? 67% said, nope. Oh, we're good. <laughs> we have a lot of cynics in the audience. Yes, I, I appreciate that. We do. <laughs> I appreciate. I'm, I'm a cynic as well. That's fair, but really, you right? Know. I guess so. I totally understand. Thirty-three percent of you. I feel you. I get you. <laughs> Next question was: Have you ever taken a cutting from a plant store? Seventy percent of you said no. Oh, <laughs> uh, and we even got a DM that said that's theft. <laughs> really? Yeah. We know. We know. That's what we said on the podcast. It is theft. Yeah, yeah, it is theft, but nature is free. So. Yeah, I mean, it's theft, but it really shouldn't that. be. Exactly. That's the whole point of last mm-hmm. week's episode. So tune into that if you guys haven't heard it yet. <laughs> um, next question was, have you ever gone foraging? And this one is 50-50. Oh, wow. That surprises me. Kind of cool. A lot more people than I thought have gone foraging. But I guess foraging could mean like anything. You see a wild strawberry and you're like, oh my God, that's so yeah, cool. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And the last question was, do you grow your own veggies or fruits in any capacity? 55% of you said yes. Oh, <gasps> I love that. That's so cute. It's oh, so special. Yeah. Guys, good job. Good job. Growing your own food. That's You're so really good. Great. Yeah, keep doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Save money, live better, you know? You don't really save money. Congrats, guys. Live better, yeah, sure. Yeah, I guess it's kind of more money, but... <laughs> Well, thank you so much for participating, everybody. I can't wait to get the poll up this week. Make sure you turn into our Instagram at very.unimportant.people. And I said tune in. I didn't say to turn in. So <laughs> don't, don't care. The poll will be up on Wednesday slash Thursdays. And let's get back to the show. Bye, guys. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's go. Let's get into opinions. Let's get into topics. Let's talk about the world. Let's talk about some interesting things that the audience definitely wants to hear about. You don't have time to deep dive, so we do it for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this week, I deep dove for you into the diamond industry. Mm. And my original intention was to basically just like debunk the diamond industry for everybody. But in doing so, I kind of formed an opinion, which is that I think that the diamond industry created the world's first influencers, like influencer culture. I think the diamond industry started it. I love that. (laughs) Um, So first, let's do a little history lesson, everyone. I love history lessons. So diamond rings and diamond engagement rings 
were not popular before, like, the 1940s. Hmm. A couple of people got diamond rings, but they weren't, like, any more valuable or any more popular than any other gemstone. I think the most popular were, like, rubies and sapphires. Ooh. And they were all just considered to be, like, rare gems. And it was Mm -hmm. nice to get a rare gem as your engagement ring. It didn't have to be a diamond ring. But then... Yeah, I love that. In the late 19th century, there was a mass, like, a huge diamond mine that was discovered in South Africa. And um, the people who were working in the, the the owners of the diamond mines in South Africa already, this scared them because they knew that what used to be a rare gem was now something that was really easy to get. And there was mm-hmm. now a lot of supply. So they knew that they were going to start to lose money. Ooh, so what they yeah. did is they formed a cartel called the De Beers Consolidated Mines, which I'm sure we've all heard of De Beers. They are yes. the biggest the diamond company in the world. Okay. Um, so this cartel <laughs> was basically just like a group of the businesses that were selling um, diamonds at the time that came together and made an agreement. And what this agreement was, was that they agreed that they would start to buy up this huge diamond mine, buy up all of like the diamond mining industry. Um, and kind of all faucets of it. And they would use their control of it to limit the diamond supply oh, in the States smart. to create the illusion that diamonds were still rare. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. This kind of reminds rude. me of like I don't the think... gold rush a little bit because <laughs> yeah. people were like picking up hella gold because they were like, holy shit, there's so much of it. And they were picking up a lot of gold, but it was still valuable, wasn't it? They were still like, we need gold. Yeah, I mean, it was still valuable, but I think that was because even though they were picking up lots of it, there still was a scarcity of gold. But, like, the amounts of diamond reserves that they found in South Africa would mean that there would be no scarcity. Like, oh. anyone would be able to get a diamond. There would be, like, oh, no shit. limit in demand. Like, it's they're huge reserves of diamonds. Whoa, that's so cool. Man, mining this is, is the market crazy. economy. So. That's so cool. Um, so they kind of designed this system where they would look up how many Americans were expected to um, get married that year. And then they would limit their supply based on that number. And that how is they how... How that information? I love that. Statistics. The fuck? Oh. The statistics. census? <laughs> cool. And at that point, De Beers, the um, cartel, controlled 90% of the market. So, so they just didn't tell people how many diamonds they really had. This was really. all just a heist. Mm. Yeah. So people cool. still believe that they were rare. And people were yeah. still paying massive amounts of money for them. But that's just how because... How did they keep it so quiet for so long? I guess that's what happens when you have a cartel. I guess like, so. Don't fucking tell nobody, bitch. I don't think it was that <laughs> kind of cartel, but that's the first place okay. that my mind went to. Right? Like, Fuck it up. <laughs> Um, And then, so this limiting of the diamond supply was coupled with an intensive marketing scheme. So in 1993, the son of the founders, um, his name was Harry Oppenheimer, which I'm sure we all recognize that name from Selling Sunset. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. Um, so Harry (laughs) recruited a marketing firm that was called Iyer to advertise diamonds in the U.S., 
Um, so diamonds were gaining traction really slowly at this point, and they were very small diamonds, and they were very low uh, quality, and they still weren't really, like, the norm. Mm-hmm. And so Iyer set out to launch a campaign that would convince men that diamonds were the only way to show your love to your partner, wow. and that the strength and depth of your love was directly and equally proportional to the size and price of the diamond oh, ring. Oh, man. Oh, man. They had no idea mm. what they were doing, or they, they knew didn't. all too well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they were just throwing a freaking fishing line out there and hoping to catch a fish, and then when they reeled it up, they were the like, fishing wow. line had turned into a net <laughs> and rom-coms. <laughs> Like, they literally started rom-coms. Like, the amount of movies mm. that are centered around, like, I don't have enough money for the diamond, but I'm going to okay. spend it anyways. <laughs> that is a marketing strategy of Iyer. So, ah, Iyer not only convinced men up. that um, they had to buy a diamond ring, but they also wanted to convince women that the only way that a courtship would end would be in a diamond ring and that there was, like, a certain progression in life. You know how, like, people wow. believe that you have to like graduate and then get married and then have kids yes. that the diamond ring was an essential and pivotal part of this life progression it was like the catalyst to getting married for real huh. mm-hmm. that's cool and this is kind of the way that they started what i think is the start of influencer culture so rather than marketing their brand or the diamond they marketed the idea of a diamond mm. and they could only do this of course because of the monopoly that Sounds they have sexy. over diamonds um yeah <laughs> but they started paying movies in hollywood to use diamond rings in their films as symbols of love so in the so movie smart. if there was a couple that were going to get married they would pay that film to have the person propose with a diamond ring they would also oh, pay wow. movies that had like a robbery or a heist to steal diamond rings and to steal diamonds to make it seem like they were really like worth a lot that's so cool to implant that idea in everyone's head that like diamonds are expensive they're worth a lot diamond heist desired they're like oh people want diamonds i'm so crazy i wonder if they used to be emerald heists and ruby heists yeah probably <laughs> they're worth a lot more <laughs> damn that's crazy you could get an emerald for like 7.99 <laughs> um and so they also started submitting stories to selected like gossip magazines that would talk about celebrities engagements and it would emphasize the size of the ring that had been exchanged and the fact that it was a diamond ring so it'd be like really subtle not like de beers like not like a full page ad but it would be a story about a celebrity who got a diamond ring. That and this is... person loves her so much because this diamond ring was so beautiful and expensive. Yeah, And that means, yeah. that, like, their marriage is going to last forever. Um, they would also submit photos <laughs> of celebrities wearing rings mm-hmm. to the magazine so that people could see that they were oh sporting their They're rings. really doing the most. And they weren't transparent at all about it. Like, you know how now you have to be, like, paid sponsorship <laughs> no they by weren't the way, because i mean this was the first time that like people had done this right so they didn't Dude. there were no rules oh my god okay and they had this in 1946 they had a weekly service called the hollywood personalities mm-hmm. which provided 125 leading newspapers with descriptions of the diamonds that had been worn by movie stars within like that past week they that did this like every week lot. and called it the hollywood personalities um, 125 freaking diamonds a week, dude. 
That's a lot. How many celebrities are there in the world? God damn. Well, no. So there would be, they would provide 105 newspapers with descriptions of the diamonds that have been worn. (laughs) Oh, okay. 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 So they would just send it out to like massive amounts of magazines. Um, They also commissioned a series of portraits called the Engaged Socialites, which were supposed to act as role models for their lower class wage earners to look up to. You know what that sounds like? To aspire to be. What does it sound like, Lydia? Propaganda. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It does. And it's also just fucking rude. (laughs) Also rude as fuck. Rude. I mean, that's the definition of propaganda. Rude. (laughs) Rude. Um, This is something that I found really weird. And I can't figure out if they actually did this or if this was just in a proposal. But... There was a program that would go around to high schools and all of the lectures would revolve around diamond rings. Which I feel weird, but (laughs) apparently it was part of their marketing strategy to get them young. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, dude. And it fucking worked because, like, for the longest time, I had no idea. Like, I was like, obviously, it's the diamond ring. That's the only end-all and be-all situation. Like, they did a really good, good number on that generation because then in 1998, when my parents had me... Guess what? Diamond ring was there, baby. Diamond ring. <laughs> <laughs> and I just know no other way. Oh my god, dude. They fucked us up. They did. That's so cool. They sure did. Um, they also paid Marilyn Monroe to write and sing the song Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. I love that song. It was in Gossip Girl and it's everything. <laughs> yeah, they do like a little musical number to it where like Blair's having a dream and then like Serena and like Chuck are in it and they're like diamonds. Oh God, it's so good. She's like walking down the staircase. She looks amazing. Um, yeah, so Gossip Girl was a part of it. <laughs> it was part of the culture. Um, and then I wrote down a quote from the actual advertising company that were they were explaining their advertising strategy in 1948 for a newspaper. And they had said, we spread the word of diamonds worn by stars of screen and stage, by wives and daughters of political leaders and by any woman mm-hmm. who can make the grocer's wife and the mechanic's sweetheart say, I wish I had what she has. Wow. So they basically operate off of jealousy making people like wish that they were someone else yeah, and being uh, like that person you know is true. rich and famous and like everyone wants to be her so we're just gonna give her a diamond ring and that's why it is like influencers culture wow that's what influencers are yeah but i didn't realize that like influencer culture was based around jealousy i that never crossed my mind is. that's like such an interesting point i it guess kind of so, is. it's like, like i want someone with has. nice yeah yeah you're like, oh, that's how you get nice hair. Oh, that's how you get yeah. nice skin. Oh, I that's can have how a nice life if I do so these nice. things. I want what she has. Wow. Mind-blowing. Yeah. And in the 1940s, De Beers was presented with the slogan that is probably one of the most successful slogans ever created. <gasps> can I guess um, what it and is? It's been used ever since. Go for it. Diamonds are forever? Yes. Yeah! <laughs> it is Diamonds Are Forever. And this slogan was written by a woman copywriter. The copywriter was female. Her name was Frances Gurity, which her. somehow feels like internalized misogyny, but I'm proud of her. I don't think she <laughs> right? intended that, but like no, it also just feels so. like it's convincing. She's just trying to sell the product, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and initially, the um, head person at Iyer hated the slogan. He did not think it would work. He did not think it would be successful. Oh, he, at the last minute, approved it because he was like, we will just use it 
as, as a, a placeholder until we find yeah. something better. And it ended up being the most successful slogan. Yeah. It's not even like a slogan anymore. It's just a part of popular culture. Like people just use it. <laughs> Damn. And the article that I was reading, like, wrote this, like, the diamond is forever. And then I wrote down the next sentence that he wrote because it's really funny. It's really sassy. So he said, like, a diamond is forever. And then he said, Ooh. and then he said, even though diamonds, in fact, can be shattered, shipped, discolored, or even incinerated to ash. <laughs> true just like your relationship got a point. <laughs> oh my god um and not only did this image pre- did this um sorry slogan present the image of eternal love but it also served a secondary purpose that would assure that diamonds wouldn't be resold because reselling diamonds affects that calculation that they do about how many people right. are going to need diamonds and it obviously makes the supply of diamonds more so prices of diamonds drop if people start reselling their diamonds yeah yeah. so this slogan helped ensure that people wouldn't resell their diamonds and that they'd buy a new diamond if but if they diamonds were, like, are forever to a new person hmm hmm yeah i guess so i guess that makes yeah, sense people aren't reselling but why their diamonds they have to keep it forever if it, it's oh forever. okay okay i thought it meant like the diamond just lasts forever so you could just give it to as many people as you want <laughs> no but no, i guess it didn't like, work that way because yeah. mixed in with the with the relationship and stuff like you don't want to think that you're a diamond is yeah. going to some other girl. yeah because diamonds are forever they last forever so you have to keep it forever it's yours yeah, forever just like Damn. your love is forever Wow, that's so crazy. That caused like so many freaking issues in the future because now it's like when people get engaged and let's say they only get engaged for two months and then they're like, oh God, we have to break this off. What a horrible mistake. It's like, what do we do with the ring? Is it too soon to give it back? Do you keep Mm. it? Would you be cool with him giving it to someone else? This dilemma would not exist (laughs) if it wasn't for this freaking the diamond heist. (laughs) Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Honestly, kind of genius. I'm not going to lie. Like, that's, it is that's better genius, than breakfast. It is also, like, makes me mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that makes sense. We, we got tricked. But we didn't get tricked. Technically, our parents got tricked. So we could true. blame it on that generation. That's true. Not our fault. <laughs> Why'd once you again, the marketing schemes? Once boomers? again, everyone, write it down. The boomers fucked it up. Yeah. <laughs> it was not us. It was the boomers. <laughs> Um, in between 1939 and 1979, the profits of De Beer went to, from $23 million to $2.1 billion. And not surprisingly, they also increased their advertising budget from 200000 to $10 million a year. <laughs> because it's just so successful. Like, this way of advertising, this fucking, like, influencer culture just works so well. They literally wow. brainwashed an entire generation. They did the ad. They did influencer ads first, dude. They literally, like, just, just taken the fact that. Wow, that's so fucking cool. Our great grandparents' generations didn't really know about diamond engagement rings. They knew about yeah. them, but they weren't like a thing. And within that tiny time frame. Almost every single couple in, like, the Western world that gets engaged today has a diamond ring because of this one company. Wow. Because of their advertising strategy. Like, that's insane. Wow. That is yeah. so fucking crazy. This, 
this wow i don't i understand why you're mad but like damn that's crazy it's impressive yeah it kind of throws a little bit of like a monetary value onto like getting married and like your love or whatever which is kind of really sad because it's like what if you just you know what if you just like don't have the money and you just like love someone so much and you still want to get married but now we're at this point where it's like if they don't get you a ring then you're not even really engaged (laughs) like you can't just say you're engaged then like it's insulting it's like, oh, <laughs> well, he's going to get you a bigger one on your wedding day, right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, maybe if he has the freaking money. This kind of reminds me of like, I don't know if this is too far of a stretch, mm-hmm. but you know how, um, have you heard of like the dowry where yeah. um, someone will give someone like a hella money to marry their daughter or something like that? Kind of reminds me yeah. of that, except like, you know, it's not a, g- a gift to the family. <laughs> it's like yeah. a gift to the capitalism lords. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. it could be similar. Except, a bit. if you try to resell a diamond, if you do, you know, if you defeat the diamonds are forever slogan, mm-hmm. and you try to resell a diamond, um, you actually can only get 20 to 40% of what you originally paid for it, which is <laughs> the real market value of a diamond. Oh, That's the value gonna... of the diamond without the inflation from limiting the supply. It's 20% of what the person paid for it. That's nothing. Wow. More people need to know that, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wonder how people feel about getting engaged to with a diamond that was previously someone else's. Like if you went to a pawn Mm -hmm. shop and bought a diamond ring. Would you tell your partner? And be like, yeah, I actually got it for 20% of its market value. Or would you just be like, oh my god, this was so expensive, babe. Okay. I love you so much. I think most zillennial, Gen Z, younger millennials would be absolutely fine with it, in my <laughs> opinion. I think a lot of the older generations would not. Because I'm sure everyone remembers there was like this ridiculous headline I think like a year or two ago, that was like, why aren't millennials buying diamonds anymore? Yeah, I remember that. It was like a huge problem that millennials were choosing not to buy diamonds. Mm -hmm. Um, And in reality, it's just because like millennials, I mean, we have taste. We have morals. (laughs) Diamonds are nice. (laughs) And we have have debt. We have low wages. And we can't afford... To pay for something that is inflated mm-hmm. to 80% of what it should actually be. So ridiculous. Like, if you're, someone's going to spend their money, they might as well spend it on something that's actually worth what they're putting their money into. Yeah. And that is not attached to, like, violent wars and violations of human rights. Yeah, that's because, true. I mean, I'm not going to get into the blood diamond thing, but everyone knows about the blood diamond thing and that, like, the diamond industry is not ethical. Yeah. It's like, why would corrupt. you give that much money and then something that's not even that's worth so your true. money and then something that's paying to, like, hurt people? To exploit people, And destroy yeah. livelihoods. Why? Yeah, that's such a good point. And there's that's why millennials aren't buying turn diamonds. towards, you know, uh stuff that's ethical and reusable mm-hmm. and long lasting exactly. stuff like that but at environmentally a price, friendly you know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i wouldn't be mad honestly i don't think the blood diamond thing happening me... anymore i'm not gonna lie i think they sent people to jail oh it is 
Never mind. happens. <laughs> yeah, Fuck. but you can just get, like, conflict-free diamonds now. Oh, my God. Like, For yeah, you know how you buy coffee sometimes <laughs> and there's, like, that stamp of, like, Rainforest certified. You can get conflict-free diamonds. Like, great. Okay. Thanks, thanks for trying to profit <laughs> off of that. <laughs> wow. That's so fucked up. Marked up by yeah. another 40% because it's conflict-free. Yeah, because it's conflict-free. So, Bro. You know, it's ridiculous. That and is so ridiculous. Yeah. Diamonds aren't actually rare. They should what not cost that? as much as they do. They're only rare because De Beers has such a tight hold over the industry and because they had such an effective marketing strategy that they brainwashed an entire generation to completely <laughs> changing everything that they believe about engagements which is very impressive i'm so impressive very holy impressive. shit and they were the an- original influencers absolutely absolutely the original influencers no one was doing it before them maybe and something else interesting is they um in in 1967, in the 1960s, they launched another really intensive marketing campaign in Japan. Mm-hmm. And this one is even more interesting because in Japan, the whole occurrence of an engagement didn't really even happen. So they had a culture around really? like cool. arranged marriages and no premarital like relationships. So they didn't have that whole, like, at least in American culture, people were still presented with a ring. So it was, like, easier to get people to just, like, change the type of ring that they were Mm -hmm. giving. Um, But, yeah, so they started an aggressive advertising campaigns that marketed diamonds as a symbol of modern Western values. And it completely uprooted local traditions. No. Um, And when the campaign begun in the 1960s, uh, only 5% of Japanese women had a diamond engagement ring. And by the end of it, 60% of Japanese women received a diamond engagement ring. From 5 to 60 in 20 years. Wow. From 5% to 60%. <laughs> completely changed. I can't believe Thousands that. of years. That's so hard to believe. Of tradition. And they were like, oh, never mind. <laughs> Holy shit. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow, the Western world has a freaking hold on everything, bro. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they tried the same thing in, like, Brazil, and it just didn't work. <laughs> Brazilians were like, no. That's stupid. <laughs> no, no thanks. Why would I spend that much money? Oh, my God, dude. So, oh, well, that's kind of yeah. sad. I mean, I feel like the Western, like, the one about america it's fine you know we deserve it but (laughs) like japan that sucks like we didn't have any cool like cultural stuff going on for us really you know we Mm -hmm. just had like the ring but like yeah exactly it was already like a a part of of the Mm -hmm. cultural norm to have a ring but it is sad that an entire tradition was uprooted (laughs) within 20 years because some white englishman wanted to make some more money yeah seriously like, was it worth it? Well, yeah, probably. Was He's it probably like, it? yeah, I love my money. <laughs> so, yeah, I invite everybody to not do diamond rings mm-hmm. because diamond rings are not forever, <laughs> and they do not symbolize love because you're just paying for an inflated <laughs> thing that's not actually valuable. Uh, yeah. Um, you can buy secondhand diamonds. I think that's cool. Vintage. It has a story attached to it. Vintage it's good diamonds. For the environment. It mm-hmm. is conflict-free 
it maybe wasn't conflict free initially, but it is conflict free. <laughs> or you can be really cool and get a cool engagement ring with a different stone. Be kind of yeah. unique. Get a cool color. So that that was my opinion. Yeah, that was, that was about good the one. diamond industry and about how they were the initial influencers and they started influencer culture. And now it's Yay. extremely successful on Instagram. Um, yeah, it seriously. Works. Sell yeah. the idea, guys. Not the product. Not the brand. Oh, my God. What does the brand stand for? So good. Well, thank you, Courtney. You're welcome. That was was super fun. Love the diamond industry. Love debunking the diamond industry. Same. Would you accept a uh, secondhand diamond ring from your future partner? Um... If you they would have to lie to me. They would have to be like, oh, okay. it's, it's my grandma's. It's vintage. It's been passed down through Why generations. Why does it make a difference if it's your grandma's? Because I'm Somebody else's grandma's. <laughs> <laughs> it's somebody's grandma's ring. Yeah, that's a good point. Somebody's Every grandma wore it at one point. Yeah, I guess there's like love behind it. But what if there isn't love behind it? Like what if the, the love wasn't forever? <laughs> what if your partner's grandma got divorced too? That's true. And that's like how the ring is still in the family. She yeah. didn't marry again. She's like, this is from my divorced husband. I've been single for years and I love it. You can it. use it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> single for 25 years, never been happier. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, right. I don't know. I would have to think about it. But, like, I would appreciate the lie. But then if I found out, oh, you my God. Know. Oh, my God. <laughs> so safe to say. But why? Lydia's future partner, if you're listening, mm. probably get her a new ring. Yeah, probably do. It doesn't even have to be a diamond at this point. Like, you could just get me something. Wait. What? You know what? It does have to be a diamond. (laughs) You still want the diamond ring? (laughs) Kind of, yeah. Lydia just learned about the entire, like, marketing ploy and the facade. But she's like, nah, still still brainwashed. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I still live in a society. I Mm -hmm. mean. (laughs) But at the same time, some of, like, some of my friends, one of my friends has gotten married and they got, like, an emerald ring and it was like really pretty and stuff like that it was really cool um yeah and like no one thinks that the marriage is any less legit just because they have like an emerald instead of a regular diamond yeah (laughs) (laughs) but she still needs the diamond (laughs) oh god what kind of rock do you want anything but a diamond Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's really my only requirement. Anything but a diamond, mm-hmm. and also ethically sourced. Yeah, I'd be okay with secondhand. I really wouldn't care. Vintage. Yeah, I like the vintage, vintage. too because I That'd think cool. things used to be made nicer. People yeah. were like, "This is only going to be sold once. Like, I need to make it." It wasn't mass produced or anything like that. So there was actually a lot of care that used to go into mm-hmm. diamond making. Yeah, so I'd be down. For I that. guess now it's not as much. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're a good person. <laughs> I guess I'm not a good person. I just I live it in a society. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. You know, yeah, like, that's fair. <laughs> you want what you want. It's fine. You want the diamond ring and get that I know, diamond ring. But it's like it's just because of cat. It's just because of marketing that I want the diamond ring. But that's why we get most of the things that we get. Just yeah, because that's of marketing. true. So that's fine. Everyone's average. It. Just an average gal, you know. <laughs> Just the basic 
basic bitch. And like it, it, this whole argument isn't to say that like a diamond ring isn't valuable and a diamond ring like means your relationship is less or like you shouldn't get a diamond ring. Mm-hmm. It's just that I don't think that they should be valued more than other rings. That's really my main thesis. That's you can still thesis. get a diamond ring. That's fine. Okay. But, like, <laughs> I feel like people just need to be aware of the fact that like they're not any more They've rare or any more special. A little inflated. But the gesture is still the same. Yeah, for a diamond ring true. for any other ring. It's still the gesture. That person's still mm-hmm. like saved up and like, regardless of what nice. it cost, I'm sure they still you know like saved up, bought what they could, gave it <laughs> oh. to you. It's still such a nice gesture. Yeah, it is. I'll think about it. <laughs> I'll definitely think about it. I'll give you that. I'll give you an update next week, everybody. Okay, see how good. I feel then. <laughs> Okay, guys, welcome to the second half of the podcast. And this week, um, you know, I went for a little stroll down Scientology Lane. I wanted to see what the tea you know, was. Because, that's yeah, I mean, I was like, what's an interesting topic? And I just remembered this one time that I was in downtown Toronto and I walked past the Church of Scientology with my two friends and we stood in front of it for about 30 seconds. And then someone in a suit came out and started talking to us and I ran and <laughs> I was like, why did I run? <laughs> my my brain is so, I don't know. I was just a fight or flight response. And I have just heard so many horrible things about Scientology just through the media that I was mm-hmm. like, damn, bro. Like, I don't want to get involved in this at all. We stopped in front of it, like, by accident. We were like, oh, my God, it says Scientology on it. And I was like, what do you guys know about Scientology? And they were like, you don't want to get involved in that shit. That shit's crazy. It's a cult. Blah, 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 blah. So today I was like, is it a, is it a cult? So I want to take you guys through the good side of Scientology. <laughs> um, but obviously are we going to the acknowledge good... that there's a bad side? Or Dude, are we going to go through the bad side? Are we going to acknowledge that there's a bad side? You might end up depressed by the end of this. Oh, okay, okay. So we also, I thought we were, this was just like a pro-Scientology <laughs> section. I, was I like... couldn't, I couldn't. At first I was on the website and I was looking at all of their things. And you're like, what? just on the first hand, you know, on the, on the one side of the hand, you got some good shit. You got some, you got some, it's based on this belief that human, being a human is neither your brain nor your body, but it's called your spirit. And they call it your thetan, which is based on the Greek symbol theta, which is a symbol for thought or life. Kind of interesting. So they believe in like a spirit similar to Buddhism. Somebody else said it wasn't my words. So a previous Scientologist said that they were like, oh, it's kind of like Buddhism. Like it's really good spirituality. Um, They believe that humans are immortal. And the spirit which is inside you observes your thoughts and feelings and just like leaves you when you die and goes into another human being and you just live on continuously, continuously. So they kind of believe in reincarnation. Yeah. So they believe in reincarnation, but they also believe that because you get reincarnated and you live forever, this means that you have endless trauma. (laughs) Like every life that you've lived is affecting the life that you currently live right now. That explains a lot. (laughs) <laughs> that's what they think right so they say that this I understand anxiety uh, it comes from a previous life don't worry about it it makes sense yeah that's also well on a lighter note that's also how they explain talent they explain super talented Ooh. children 
because they're like damn like how did you get so freaking good like some people are just born with a natural affinity for music for example or art Mm -hmm. maybe and they say it's because that they had many lifetimes to practice it it's also how they explain deja vu why is i haven't had deja vu not good at everything then maybe you just have all had remembered everything practice things i feel like i should be a lot better at things I feel like maybe I should have something different too. in each lifestyle. In each life, maybe you were super different, you know? So oh, it's maybe. like you never had enough time to focus on only one thing because you were different in Possibly. each of them. But also, like, some people are born with the ability to be able to remember their past life and, like, remember mm-hmm. everything from that time. And some people aren't because we aren't, like, clear headed, unlike people who are in Scientology oh, who are gosh. clear and they're like, they've been cleared and they, you know, they remember all of their past lives and they're working on being even more enlightened and remembering okay. even more of their past. Okay, this definitely feels like a rebranded Buddhism totally isn't right? that enlightenment <laughs> um i don't think so i think enlightenment is like reaching a stage nirvana. of nirvana yeah and acceptance and peace and tranquility and like just being outside of yourself that you return back to the soul um host i think it's called the brahmin mm-hmm. and you return back to it and then you can live in nirvana and like live there forever but with scientology you never die there's no end goal (laughs) you just like if you live in scientology that you could continue to clear yourself more and more and then i guess become more enlightened and have better lives in the future so it's like you're not only looking out for Uh, yourself right now you're looking out for your next self how your thetan will live on i don't love the idea of living forever i think we know this but it's cool well luckily people forget pretty much instantly the second that they're born about their past life (laughs) except apparently the trauma lives on it's like generational trauma like the shit like just stays inside of you and it just kind of lives on so yeah that's how they uh kind of think about the soul and the spirit the thetan so the practice is to heal all your trauma including being born is a traumatic experience for you being born being birthed being brought into this world they try to get people to remember it and work through it (laughs) how 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 do you get somebody Scientology to remember? Tools? Okay, this Being is what born. I've been tr- Bro, I've been trying to figure this shit out for time, okay? I went to this blog of this guy who used to be a Scientologist, and he's been running this blog for, like, 30 years, just, like, debunking every single Scientology thing. And he said, he said, oh, um, he was asking, um, he was interviewing someone, and he was like, oh, uh, when you were in Scientology, like, do you remember everything from your past life and the guy was like no unfortunately um i didn't i wasn't creative enough to fabricate my past life <laughs> so i wasn't able to remember it like he kind of thinks it's a scam and like people don't actually remember their past yeah. lives and being born and their like past experiences up to three years old because apparently you don't really have like a conscience up until you're about three that's not a part of scientology that's just a fun fact i heard yesterday interesting Yes. But I'm sure Scientology just says that up until three is just too traumatic. So you Pretty forget much. it? Because mm. you're cold, you're hungry, you're freaking out the entire time. Being born is traumatizing. <laughs> and they say that you can remember as far back as being um, like a fetus. No. no. <laughs> they actually say no. you can remember <laughs> the traumas that happened to you when you were in the womb. The traumas? Yeah. Like, let's say your mom fell you you like get traumatized by that like your body is like oh god pain ah suffering ah stress and you i'm pretty sure my life now is a lot more traumatic than my life in the womb and i'm (laughs) i don't forget now i don't get that i don't 
understand what the trauma what was. Mean? Like, I'm pretty sure my pregnancy and my birth was traumatic to someone, but I don't think it was to me. Like, but you, you I was okay. Brought into a world, no, you were one cold, person had like hungry. consciousness and just yeah, had to go through you. that, and it wasn't me. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't that's a good think point, I but was apparently you do have consciousness. You constantly have consciousness. The Thetan ex- enters you immediately when you're in the womb. No. No. <laughs> no. How far back yeah. do they think that you have consciousness in the womb when you're a fetus? When you're like a sperm. From like conception? Yeah. Oh, Literally okay. from conception. Okay. I wonder what their stance on abortion is. <laughs> they actually <Wonder>. don't care. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. They actually don't That's care about like getting abortions or like being on birth control. And they give total freedom to people who are in Scientology to like How do whatever they want How does that line up with that with their belief that like fetuses have consciousness? Does not murder to them? No. That's confusing. It is confusing. Isn't it? <laughs> I don't know how I feel. I'm confused. It's like, oh, nice. But then it's like, bro, how can I? Yeah, right. It's like, how can you remember that much? I honestly don't even want to remember that much. I'm not going to lie. So That's are they okay with murder? Like, no, they're not. A- Anyways. Oh, I will get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so confused. Okay. Uh, well, that's pretty much it. I mean, you can stay confused, but that's kind of what the basis around it is. There's a lot of other shit that goes into it. Well, that's mm-hmm. kind of their base ideology and everything functions off of this ideology, right? So it started off in the 50s as a psychiatry thing. The man who started it all, L. Ron Hubbard, was seeing inhumane practices being used to treat people. So people were being lobotomized. People were getting shock therapy. And he was like, this, he was like, woke. He said, this is not okay. So he kind of developed this self-help style book, I'm going to call it, which claimed that through auditing and unveiling centuries of trauma, which are called engrams, you can cure yourself of your mental health and of other neurosis. And it also like helps people interact with others in a healthy way and like teaches you how to communicate properly and how to be able to like live your fullest life and have a truly like rational life without any interferences from past trauma which can lead to like depression anxiety like other types of shit okay yeah and after enough of these yeah and after enough of these auditing sessions um people would become clear and they could live their full potential and take further lessons about learning how to like interact and just continue to heal yourself okay i still don't get that part which part the whole like healing from your traumas of birth. oh those healing from your past traumas from like other lives i you just like have I'm... to you just have to accept it for now just accept it for the next 25 <laughs> okay. minutes <laughs> okay. all right so that's, that's not part of this is. description okay no not really i mean right. like i don't know how to go Something... deeper than that like you just have to believe it if you believe it you believe it maybe read his book <laughs> i'm good <laughs> deuteronomics and scientology okay <laughs> so basically this book was like the start of Scientology. It didn't start mm-hmm. as a religion, but I mean, it started off like pretty solid. Like he was like, this is wrong and there needs to be something else that can be done about it. And these auditing sessions are basically therapy sessions for people and just to be able to like speak and express themselves and someone guides you through like mm-hmm. a meditation almost. But once he started practicing these audits on people, he realized that he needed a license to do psychiatry. He wasn't licensed. Oh, oh. So the loophole he found was to turn it into a religion. (laughs) Whoops. I know. Uh And he was like, fuck. So now he turned it into a religion because he's like, well, I want to help people through this practice, but I need money. (laughs) I had a fishy feeling because I thought that Scientology was sounding way too, 
way too rational, way too okay. I was like, you know what, this what do you this mean? Sounds reasonable. <laughs> it's a, a doctor published a therapy. What's it called? Strategy this manual program yeah, strategy that was yeah. working. I was like, this right? sounds okay. How did it turn into what it is? But. I get it now. He wasn't a psychiatrist. No, he wasn't. But he had good ideas. Like, the ideas at the start were pretty freaking solid. I mean, but, people just needed therapy. But, people just needed someone to talk to. Okay, we don't know. Here's an idea. <laughs> here's okay. an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Realize you're not a psychiatrist. You can't actually practice this. Maybe the option isn't to make it a religion, but to go to med school and become a psychiatrist. To become a licensed psychiatrist. That is the right option in that stance. Not, let's make this a religion to bypass it. <laughs> I know, <laughs> Just right? get the license. Well, he already he already did enough school, you know? He was a fictional writer. So he... Well, then maybe move on to something else in life. Maybe that's not for you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe keep writing. I mean, I don't know. So he was yeah, like, Yeah, you could still it. publish those religion. to someone. You didn't have to make yeah. it into a religion. You could just be like, this is helpful to He felt very strongly he genuinely felt like he was helping people buy a building don't make it into religion that's weird i don't know yeah i I feel weird about that you can't just make a religion like you can (laughs) if you have enough people you can make a religion i think you need like a hundred people i need to well if it makes you feel better it's only recognized in the usa yeah it's okay (laughs) (laughs) okay okay so he okay. started using celebrities um, and influencers. Hold on, hold on. Okay, no, we need to go back. I just okay. So people are aware of the fact that he made it up. He made up a religion. Yeah. And people are like, I believe in it. The person yeah. who made it is open about the fact that it's made up. But people are like, this is totally mm-hmm. legitimate. <laughs> Doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know. People just want help. People just want someone to listen to. They just want something. They just want. It was like a. It was I believe like a in this made up thing. thing. They just want made up thing is real. It's real. But it's made up. I don't get. That's it. how people okay. feel about crystals. That's how people feel about horoscopes. But that's not how they feel about it. Yeah, I that guess they're not like, like this is my devoted religion. That would be like Jesus being like, "Yo, God doesn't exist. I made this up," and everyone being like, "True." true that and just carrying on with christianity well he never got the chance to tell them <laughs> or that part wasn't passed along <laughs> and everyone being was like, like i didn't actually that. die for three days i just oh right 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 that was you know, all illusion. i don't know it was a magic people trick. say that the bible is a metaphor so i don't really know people love this shit though they ate it up they were like believing it they were like yeah man i want to get healed I think it started off as such an innocent thing. Maybe they even knew that it wasn't a legit religion, but it was just like, they were like, yeah, I want to get healed. I want to get better. In the 60s and 70s, people were all about like spirituality and self-knowledge. And they were like not trusting science because science was literally killing people with lobotomies. And (laughs) they wanted world peace. And apparently that's one of the mantras of Scientology is like world peace. So love that. Um, And it was just like for the people. It was to give people tools um, and clarity to make rational decisions in life. The audits were extremely helpful to so many people. Even today, people say that the audits are amazing because it's basically just therapy. It helps them understand the way that they are. It helps them come to term with negative emotions, heals trauma. In this life, it doesn't have to be in the past life. But I mean, they get into that, I guess. That's someone to listen to your problems. And it helps you to come to like an understanding with yourself. It's more of a philosophy than a religion. Fair enough. There's no, like, God. They just believe in a spirit. <laughs> a little lost, but... <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> okay. 
Fair enough. <laughs> so now that I've convinced you Scientology isn't bad. <laughs> That's the problem here. I'm just so like, it's not, it's, it's not. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm so, ready. I'm, okay. I don't want to get gonna, my hopes up. You know, I'm trying to like protect don't. myself. You're yeah. gonna, this okay. next I'm ready part for was this meant part. to like. I'm ready if for this, this part. If the first part had done anything to you, this next part might, like, reverse everything that I just told you. Okay. So the first ceremony you have to take place in order mm-hmm. to, like, become inaugurated into the Church of Scientology. Yeah. This is, like, a more recent development in it. In the 60s and the 70s, they weren't really practicing this. This kind of happened, started happening in the 90s. This is the culting um, part, yeah. Kind of, yeah. When it a cult, when it went from a religion, a fake yeah. religion to a cult, okay. So they had this purification ceremony. Short uh-huh. form was purif. Uh-huh. <laughs> And um, it started with, like, this multivitamin cocktail. And one of the main ingredients is called niacin. And they named it Clear Body, Clear Mind. And the recommended dose from Scientology is a 100 milligrams. And then over the four weeks that you do your purification ceremony, it increases to 500 milligrams. Now, the medically recommended dosage okay, this is, is what I was waiting for. Okay. 15 milligrams. <laughs> Nice, 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 nice. So nice, they're nice. overdosing on niacin. And what then is niacin? The, I'm not sure. Is it like niacinamide? I'm not 100% sure. It's, it's, it's a vitamin. It's just like this the kind ordinary? of vitamin. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like eating it. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. Right. But um, they get toxic symptoms because of it. And um, they're told to like expect these kind of toxic symptoms, such as like dizziness, skin irritation, headaches. Let me guess. It's just a sign that it's working. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. And it's releasing the radiation um, from their body. Mm. Yeah. And you right. obviously need to have a clear body in order to have a clear mind. And they have to drink half a cup of pure oils per day. What's pure oils? Just like an oil? vegetable oil. Ew. <laughs> so then they get fat. Yeah. Yeah. So that it no. So that it replaces the fat that they're losing through this next part which is they have to sit in a sauna for (laughs) no for like four to six hours a day and like sweat out everything and they need to like drink a hell of water and like take these kind of like calciums and magnesiums and potassiums in this multivitamin mix in order to keep themselves like kind of okay so they have to take it like three times a day and this costs five thousand dollars of course Just wanted to throw that in there. You know, nothing comes at a cost. <laughs> I mean, nothing comes for free. We'll get to that. Trust me, bro. Um, so the like, bro, word gets around that this dude is so money hungry. And I mm-hmm. honestly think it's because he was getting tax exemptions for the religion as well. Because yeah, he was that's just the taking, other thing. You make it into right? religion, you suddenly don't have to pay taxes. Mm-hmm. And he's just getting like hella okay. people in it. And I don't know, people had to pay their way up the spiritual purity ladder there's five levels of spiritual purity that you can reach in scientology and when you get first entered you're obviously at the lowest one and then you can like slowly get your way up to the highest one and not a lot of people are at the highest one because like it literally costs like a million dollars because of the state of the economy and minimum wage (laughs) in the 40-hour work week not everyone can be scientologists because it's just too damn expensive (laughs) Um, but yeah, and in some cases, they won't even let you pass after you paid the money to, like, help them feel legit, you know? Because they're like, well, you didn't do your readings and you didn't do your studying and you obviously don't believe in Scientology that hard. So you actually don't get to pass and you have to start over and then you have to repay for, like, weeks and weeks of auditing. 
And this was coming out after about 20, 30 years of the religion being formed. And so celebrities who originally he was using to endorse it were now the ones causing the downfall. Haha. So here's a bunch of fucked up shit I found out about Scientology <laughs> and what it's done to people. Dude, the first one literally is so fucking sad. So I don't know if you guys know this, but John Travolta, Grease yeah. is the word, you know, our boy. Um, so he's in the Church of Scientology. I yes. honestly must have forgotten about that, but um, I kind of found out like this really sad thing. So he had this kid named Jet mm-hmm. and at the age of 16, he died from a seizure and it was super tragic. And while they were in the ambulance since he believes in the immortal spirit he tried to command the spirit back into his son's body and like it didn't it obviously like didn't work you can't command a spirit and then they had to go through a few months of auditing to like get through the trauma and like work through it and stuff and his wife became pregnant with their second son while she was getting audited and because of that they believed that the thetan of jet was called back into their second son ben so yeah something that kind of really like concerns me about this like aside from the fact that this is like just tragic is that the Mm -hmm. kid ben is also growing up in the church of scientology and like i can't imagine how he probably feels like does because they're probably very open about the fact that he is like also his brother yeah yeah talk about trauma I know they're literally forcing people forcing people to have trauma and like that's what I don't understand about the kids who are in Scientology because there's hella children that are in Scientology. I don't mm-hmm. understand how they have like trauma to deal with that isn't directly given to them through the Church of Scientology. <laughs> like yeah. the church literally makes them go to like these camps and like do like labor and cleaning and like just not things that kids should be doing. And he's just like I don't know. I just feel so bad for him. And he's being forced to, like, remember the trauma of his past life of, like, having a seizure and dying. They're like, this happened to you. (laughs) I just, it's so sad. Isn't that so wild? Maybe he's grateful he gets a second chance with the family, but, like, yeah, talk about trauma, bro. Big facts. So Tom Cruise is also in the Church yes. of Scientology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he's probably the most famous person. Like, he's most outspoken about being in Scientology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have, like, a little bit of a short story for you about him. After his divorce, he got involved with the church, and there are two kids in there, and they were forced to stop speaking to their mom, Nicole Kidman, and they were fed lies about what a terrible person she is so yeah. that they would hate her. And so that... And just because she didn't approve of having the kids in the church, she was seen as this, like, suppressive person is what people in your family who aren't in Scientology are called. And most people who join the Church of Scientology are forced to cut off their families if they don't choose to join the church. Yeah, I've heard But guess who's this. exempt get, like, from that role? Famous people. Yeah. Yeah. People are afraid of getting excommunicated and shit like that. And, like, it's so much money. Like, I, I, mean, I can't. Um, there's this other side story about his sister, Miriam, who is also in the Church of Scientology. She was told off for selling rugs on the side. <laughs> she had secondhand rugs <laughs> that she purchased. And the church said it was embarrassing for Tom that she was selling secondhand rugs. 
And like a lot of to people buy in the into church, the religion. Yeah. Like, and a lot of people in the church were doing this and they shared a rug dealer because they were doing it because they didn't have money because they were full time Scientologists. And they were like, you have to stop. It's embarrassing to be seen selling rugs on the side. And so Tom Cruise started paying for her courses so that she could live there and stop selling rugs and like won't be excommunicated <laughs> from the church. Yeah, and he doesn't talk to one of his daughters because she isn't in the church, too. Oh. Yeah, it's not so nice. fucked up. This, okay, so Scientology is basically capitalism meets religion meets an abusive boyfriend. They came together <laughs> and they made, like, a fucking Just nightmare. the most toxic situation you could ever yeah, imagine. <laughs> because they force people to be dependent on the church because they say you can't talk to anyone who's outside of you the can't church. Work. You have to cut these people off so then... You have no one else to support you. You only have the people in the church and then you have to work to pay for all these things and you have no choice but to pay for all these things because you've cut off every other single person in your life that supports you. Yeah. It's a cult. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it didn't have to be a cult, you know? It started off with such good intentions. Why did it have to turn into this culty ass freaking situation? I actually, it pisses me off. Like it could have been okay, yes. you know? Yeah. But they just decided, fuck it, cult. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, so I have this kind of um, last-ish story about this, oh, my God, this poor girl, Sam Domingo. Mm. She isn't famous, but I think she's a good example of how normal people get treated inside of the church. So she was poached when she was 20 years old. She called it poached. Um, She signed a one billion year contract, which you can do because your soul is everlasting. And once she got... (laughs) How do they hold you to it? I don't know. How do they find you in the next life? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I'm honestly not sure. Wow. Maybe they approach random people on the street Could you and they're imagine? like, you used to be Sam. Get over here. We have a spot you for you. You signed a contract with us. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> oh, God. This poor girl. So she started dating what is one of the president's office officers. And she was actually pregnant. And she was coerced into having an abortion. Because they didn't want the officer to leave his position and transfer to a smaller church with her. And after that, they were divorced and she never saw him again. That was only the first offense that they did against her. They, oh no, oh my God, they literally fucked her life up. I feel so freaking bad for her. So she started dating someone else, um, this mm-hmm. guy named Placido Domingo Jr. And apparently he was like super high up in the palace. So as punishment for like dating this guy who was close to the top people she was sent to a rehabilitation project force an rpf and this is where she had to do this thing called rats alley and rats alley is this punishment that even scientologists are afraid of it's this grease pit under the big blue building i'm assuming this is the scientology building that we've all seen in those pictures and there's like these tunnels which are three feet big and you have to go through on a dolly and like propel yourself under this like wall and clean it up and you get swarmed with like rats and cockroaches and silverfish i don't know what silverfish are but you have to like lie down and clean and shit oh gross so yeah and she was literally stuck there for like four weeks she worked until eight o'clock in the evening and then studied until 10 p.m. and then woke up at 7 a.m. and had like two hours a day of auditing. And the rest of your time, you're just like, she called it serving your rehabilitation. 
after that she tried to escape by jumping out a window no kidding. <laughs> right no fucking kidding. right and she got caught and was forced into two weeks of interrogation and after that two weeks of interrogation in a twisted turn of events she joined the high council of scientologists and got to mingle with the celebrities she had three kids she was treated like royalty um because she was associated with this um with this placinto guy she calls him plassy um and apparently uh surprise surprise the grandfather was rich as fuck and over five years he gave the church two million dollars so that he could see his grandchildren because he wasn't in the church but he wanted to be able to see his grandchildren like because she had three kids and he wanted to be able to see his other brother his other son sorry who was also in the church of scientology let me take you through some of the fees that he had to encounter a hundred thousand dollars for membership cards okay forty thousand dollars for a freeloader bill when she left the Sea Org, which is like when she left that one place to go to that other place. She got a freeloader bill. $20,000 for auditing. And then $20,000 for a founding patron card. Like, how do they enforce these? Like, if the Church of Scientology gave me a bill for $100,000 for a freeloader bill, I'd be like, no. Like, what are you going to do about it? Like, they can't call the cops. They can't be like... She owes me a freeloader bill. It's not a real bill. That's eventually what she ended up doing. She was like, she just don't pay so them. Like, what are they going to yeah. do? She like stopped paying for it. And then she was like, because I guess they get so scared of being excommunicated that yeah. it's just like the biggest threat. And, but like, they oh, have my fucking to do God. that. That's the thing. That's where the like abusive boyfriend thing comes in because like they make you entirely dependent on the church. So you have to yeah. pay it. But if they didn't do that, then like they would literally have no power because these things aren't real. These bills Literally. aren't real. You don't have these. <laughs> I know. She was There's like, no reason. I know. She eventually realized that. And she was like, That's she good. took her kids and she hid in like the trunk of a car to try to escape oh and God. shit like that. And then she was just like living somewhere else. And they found her and they started tampering with her shit. They broke the brakes on her car and they harassed her with phone calls, like a hundred phone calls a day. Oh and just God. being like, you got to come back to the church. You got to come back to the church. And then she was like, bro, fuck you, you idiots. Like, all you're going to do is excommunicate me. And like, literally. and then what? You literally can't do shit. Um, yeah. But it wasn't always like that because <laughs> there, at one point there was this rule that L. Ron Hubbard made called R245. Okay. This is described as a enormously effective process for exteriorization but its use is frowned upon by society at this time so this word that i had trouble pronouncing exteriorization refers to the separation (laughs) refers to the separation of the thetan the soul as you remember from Uh the body Uh oh according i don't like that (laughs) to hubbard it's defined as a process which could be produced by shooting someone in the head with a 45 ah, there revolver. It is. There it is. <laughs> but that's interesting. That yes. It is very interesting. Okay. Um, they Fine. only had orders to use them on specific individuals who were prominent in um, basically exposing Scientology. And mm. he called them enemies of mankind, the planet, and all life. And if ordered, any member could use it them. on them during an auditing process. Use it. 
They're like, just remove the thetan from so the body. So they're not compliant. Sometimes it has shoot to be them done. in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, this practice this has been upon. Oh, my God. Frowned Bro. upon. Very much frowned upon by society. But I guess by the like, law, mm, by morals, literally by... everybody. Yeah. Okay. And this is where I have a fun fact for you and for everyone. Mm-hmm. My kindergarten was a school of Scientology. What? I went to what? a Scientology school for, I think it was like two years. Are you serious, Courtney? I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Oh, I, did you? Why? Why? I have so many questions. Did your parents send you? Did yeah. you learn anything? Do you remember anything? Did they know it was Scientology? No. Okay, so I didn't, I didn't know until... I don't know. I was like quite a bit older when I found out. I think I was in high school, but <laughs> it wasn't like like the Church of Scientology. It wasn't like a church. It was just that like I guess all like the teachers and the students were members of the yeah. Church of Scientology. So this was a school where they were, I guess, accepted. This and yes, yes. I the was... girl I was talking about was also sending her kids to one of those schools. Holy shit! Courtney. I was a very unique child. Um, and I did not conform to a regular kindergarten classroom very well. And I was kind of struggling in school. So my mom decided to send me to this school because it was kind of unique. Oh. And it was honestly probably one of the best experiences I've ever had. It was the most (laughs) fantastic freaking kindergarten. Yeah. I have like nothing but the best memories from this school. It was amazing. Like instead of like... Like, to learn things, we would just, like, go outside for walks and, like, catch snails and, like, race them. And then, like, in the classroom, there was a two-story dollhouse that we could play in. <laughs> Dude. Like, it was so much fun. We had so much fun. I'm glad they're putting I that money like to good use. so much. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Dude, that's and so fun. And I had fun. no idea. They didn't say anything about Scientology, anything about the religion. I mean, we were kindergarten. They yeah. didn't try to make me remember my birth, which is also good. Mm-hmm. I'm now grateful for that. <laughs> That's something that I didn't know I had to be grateful for, but I am now. But yeah, Holy no, it was shit, the most like fantastic fun. kindergarten experience ever. It was such a fun school. There was a dog at the school. Dude. That was so much fun. That's so cool. That's yeah. so unique. That is an amazing fun fact. That's really fun. <laughs> That's... And the school no longer exists. Oh, no. It shut down. But it was oh, really well. nice. I don't know if maybe it gets like a little bit more like culty in maybe the older grades maybe that were there they probably start talking about the church and stuff but i think yeah. the church stuff is really just like on the weekends like <laughs> after school is over you know it's just a way of life yeah maybe it's just a way of life afterwards do you did you make any friends like do you still talk mm-hmm. to anyone from kindergarten no okay. i did but at probably, the time yeah i made like one friend that i was friends with for a really long time until i like moved schools I was in like middle school and then mm-hmm. just kind of lost touch but mm-hmm. yeah I did meet really good friends and they were all in had a great experience have so many good memories oh my from god school. what else do you remember from it I remember on like I guess it would have been what's that Irish holiday St. Patty's St. Patty's Day um 
our teacher like pretended that our like classroom got like raided by like little like freaking elves and she oh literally put God. like footprints everywhere and like piled our shoes that they were like going through our shoes and she like opened the door and she was like oh my god look they're running away and like we all ran over and like looked out but she was like oh you missed them and i literally <laughs> believed for such a long time that they were like freaking elves leprechauns running around real. in that classroom that's so awesome it was just it was so much fun that's so amazing that's so, so wholesome what was different about it versus a regular kindergarten like how did you end up it's learning just, your abcs and like i don't think it was like structured like know? school i think it was more structured like play learning almost mm-hmm. um yeah i think it was just more fun and like less pressure about like performance yeah. and it turns out that the reason I didn't want to learn my ABCs was because I was competitive and my brother knew his ABCs. And if I learned the ABCs, then my brother would be better at the ABCs than me. And I couldn't have it happen. So I just refused to learn the ABCs. And my mother had me tested because she thought I was a literal idiot because I couldn't learn my ABCs. Oh my but it turns out I just didn't want to. You were just too I just smart did not for the system. To. Yeah, I was like, no. I love that. No, You're like I'm not conforming to If this I start shit. trying, then people are going to be better than me. So no. Oh <laughs> my God. That's and then I went to a Scientology school and I learned my ABCs and I had a lot of fun. That's so oh. cute. Oh my God. Yeah. And you just learned to be rational about life. Like the lessons yeah, of Scientology. That's probably when I became like a little freaking communist just in that school where they were like, risk infrastructure. Yeah, bro. It's like, yeah. Like it. I love that. Oh my God. That's so cool. Yeah. That's- now you all know a little bit more about Thank you so much for listening to our opinions this week. Thanks for listening to Courtney's Diamond Heist and how the heist was actually an Uno reverse card on us because they heisted us. <laughs> now we're fucked because of the diamonds. <laughs> and thank you for listening to my chat about Scientology. I hope you guys enjoyed both of these little things today on this beautiful whatever it is, evening, morning, day, you can check us out on Instagram at very.unimportant.people. You can send us an email at hatersclickhere at gmail.com and that's h-a-t-r-s clickhere at gmail.com. Send us your music. We love having musicians on. You can find us on Patreon. That's in the link in our description on Instagram. Trust me, it's easy. Just go to our Instagram, click on the link, click on Patreon. You're there. There's a lot of great stuff on there. You can follow us on Twitter, very, no, the unimportant PPL, and you can follow us on TikTok. Woo! Get on there. (laughs) Uh, Have a great 